positive thinking won't let you do anything, but it will let you do everything better than negative thinking will. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this show, we have an important question for you to consider in regards to what do you most need now to help your personal progress? We listened to a clip from Zig Ziglar on having a positive mental attitude, and he brings up the issue of increasing performance regardless of increasing knowledge, which really begged a great question that I posted on Facebook. For your current personal progress, do you feel you need to, one, learn new information to increase your skills and abilities, or two, improve your confidence, attitude, faith, motivation in order to increase your skills and abilities. We had just a tremendous response and Tom Ziegler and I talked through a lot of the comments. It's really intriguing. You're going to want to join us for sure. If you haven't done so and you want to join us for these weekly discussions and put your comment in for us to read through and discuss, find me on Facebook and friend me at Agent K is in Kevin Miller. And uh, again, would love your feedback as well. So I'm going to play Zig's message right after I share some valuable resources with you. Okay, friends, here then is a clip from Zig Ziglar that'll kick us off. It's just under a minute. Here you go. Positive thinking won't let you do anything, but it will let you do everything better than negative thinking. Well, let me tell you about positive thinking. When we walked in here uh, earlier tonight, this room was pitch black. They flipped some switches. It became lighted. Flipping switches didn't generate electricity. It released it. Had it not already been generated, we'd still be in a dark room. The youngster who thinks they can go in to take a test and pass it with positive thinking but hadn't studied, he's going to flunk that sucker. Now, you can just count on it. But if he has studied, the positive thinking will release the information and he can put it on paper. We can document hundreds of cases where when kids change their attitude, they were able to call up the information and make dramatically better grades in class and in any area of their life. All right. Well, there you go. Again, from that message from Zig, I asked this question for your current personal progress. Do you feel you need to one, learn new information to increase your skills and abilities or two, improve your confidence, attitude, faith, motivation in order to increase your skills and abilities? Well, here then Tom Ziegler and I talked through a lot of the comments and thanks again to everybody who shared. All right, Tom, well, as you know, I mean, this is a, this is a big question and I wasn't fishing for anything specifically. I really wanted to know where do people feel they are and uh, threw it out there. And as you can see on Facebook, we got a lot of responses that are still coming in. So I'm just going to dive in from the top and you and I will insert as appropriate. You ready? Sounds good, brother. All right. Well, here, Johnny Ferris, he says, Number two, there's plenty of information available. I need the confidence that I can do it. I can have all the information in the world and do nothing with it. Where someone with limited information and resources can accomplish great things uh, just with faith. Uh, And D uh, Roots, she responds right after, amen. Seems we are overeducated and underexperienced as a society. Bring back apprenticeships. 
lots of good stuff there. I, I got to admit right there with what D says, you know, bringing back apprenticeships. I've talked with my kids about that and just about the fact that that used to be such a beneficial thing. And today, man, we don't find it. I, I, apprenticeships, that word seems like it's gone completely by the wayside. We do hear internships, but I, 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 they're so rare in my experience. And my assumption is, and I don't want to, I don't want to uh, diss anyone here, but it's people aren't willing to put the time in working for free. I know. I, I remember a study. It wasn't even a study. It was just the question was, what's the difference between an Italian master carpenter versus an American master carpenter? And here's the, what they said. They said the end product is almost identical. The same level of skill, workmanship, quality, care. The difference is the Italian went through apprenticeship. And so the scrap pile of wood that's left over, it's much smaller. Yes, I think I read that once too. Really and in the American way, we, we tend to go out, we forge our path, we learn how to do it. And we get a great end result, but it's not always the most efficient way to do it. And yeah. so I love that, that D brought up the word apprenticeship because yeah. what a powerful thing. Yeah. And when we talk about, is it the mindset or the skill that we're really looking for a great, uh, a great apprenticeship, you go to an apprentice who really understands why you're doing it. And that's much more to the heart and the soul and the mindset. I, I agree. And I think that that's the apprenticeship teaches you the mindset as well, instead of just the rote, you know, methodology to complete and produce whatever you're doing. And, you know, that's something that I got to appreciate. I learned with my dad, he, he had uh, businesses in the car industry and I got to work alongside of him, of him and, and learn that. And that is hard today. And Tom, I mean, you got to appreciate this too with my kids. I've had to admit to them, guys, I don't know how to have you work alongside of me as I'm writing. Uh, you know, I don't have a product I'm producing or a, a service industry businesses out there. So it's hard for a lot of us as parents uh, to do that. But man, for the younger people that are out there, actually the younger people, anyone who's out there, the idea of, especially we have people who are so prone to go pay huge amounts of money to formal education to learn something when often they could learn it for free as an apprentice, apprentice or an intern, or they could get paid a small wage to go learn how to do that. I got a buddy down the street owns two five-star restaurants and he learned the business by becoming a, uh, he washed dishes, he bust tables, he was a waiter, he was a manager and yada, yada. And now he is a very wealthy individual and mayor of our town, actually, uh, because he learned it from the roots. Man, that's not the norm these days. Uh, well, Melissa uh, Colstead here, she says, I think I've always, or she said number two, and I think it's always about becoming a better version of yourself, which begins with confidence, attitude, faith, motivation. With, uh, with that comes a desire to learn and find the information you need to become the person you want to be and feel that God intends you to be. And right on the heels of that, Carmenza David, she says, the more faith in God I have, the more my confidence increases. My motivation leads me to improve my abilities and I'm filled with gratitude and calmness. And that feels like it points right back to the message we just heard from your father, Tom, from Zig Ziglar on how often we can go forward when our faith, motivation, inspiration is increased and do a better job, even though nothing changed in our core ability, understanding, knowledge. 
And I, I've seen that in my life. I see it every day. I mean, that's why we renew our minds in the morning. That's right. You know, in order to achieve anything, uh, you've got to have the right mindset, the right strategy, and the right action. Mindset is the habit of right thinking. Strategy is the, the habit of right planning. And action is the habit of right implementing. And boy, if your thinking's not right, and I love that, that she put in the words gratitude and calmness. Hmm. Because let's face it, when we're, we're in a battle every day and we get assaulted, right? The news assaults us. You know, we, we, we bump into conversations we didn't know we were going to have. Not everybody's on the same wavelength. They got crazy thoughts and beliefs and they tend to want to shove them down our throat sometimes. But if we don't have the right mindset, the right calmness, the right amount of gratitude, our likelihood of reacting instead of responding to something that doesn't go right goes way up. Yeah. And that derails us even more. And so the faith in God, the calmness, the gratitude, boy, what a buffer to just deal with reality. Amen. Amen. Ashley Young, she says, I think I go back and forth between the two very often, trying to get the motivation to kick my personal small business off the ground, of which I have all the skills and abilities to do, but also having other ventures and ideas in mind that I need guidance on in order to be successful. The balance of priority in this case is what I find often holds me back from truly committing to either. I've always believed that with confidence, anything can be possible. But even with all the passion in the world, knowing where to start can hold me back. Either way, listening to your show and various other podcasts has certainly tapped into that motivation. I need to move forward with my already established business. So thank you for that. Man, Tom, for me, a couple of things jumped out there. One, you know, we're talking about, do you need more, more skills, you know, understanding, let's say in your profession in order to progress, or do you, uh, we're in essence saying just need an increase in your self image, your motivation, uh, your inspiration. And she almost to me brings up a, a third thing. Sometimes it's almost a middle ground. We need some training, some counsel, some guidance, just on where to, in this case, she's talking about like what priorities are in her business, um, some tools and methodologies to go about it that are almost a separate, maybe a trifecta uh, between our personal, our attitude, our understanding of you know the product or service or whatever it is that we're doing. We need some skills, which we talk about a lot, like time management. She again, she talks about priorities, and man, as as a guy in the midst, as you know, of a new business endeavor, that is the daily issue. Is oh my goodness, what are the priorities? I am almost, I feel, uh, I feel handicapped a lot in doing that. I had to bring other people in who are project managing to tell me, okay, what's priority today, or help me figure that out. Yeah, and, and it goes back and forth on the balance. Uh, you know, Dad had a funny line that he used to say, man, attitude's important, but so is skill. Mm. There's nothing more frustrating than a motivated idiot. <laughs> there, you <go. laughs> so, there you go. There we well, got some people who are going to test to that here in a second. Yeah, so so we got to have the skill, right? We got yeah. to know what to do, the information to do it with. And a lot of times it's you know what? One of the greatest skills I think that people have is when they recognize their weaknesses. And instead of putting a lot of energy and time into learning how to overcome their weakness, instead they identify it and then they go to their who, they find somebody who's already an expert in their weakness and they bring them in. Yeah. And so that also speaks to that, that middle ground. Uh, for me, it's, a, it's like a circle. 
when I get excited, when I'm motivated, when my faith is strong, when I get filled up in, you know, kind of all the emotional, psychological, kind of the soul aspects of it, that makes me want to learn more. Mm, true. Okay. And, and when I learn more, when I learn something new, when I'm over on that side of my brain where I'm the nerds coming out and I'm, I'm getting this stuff, well, then that gets me excited because it's, it's bouncing off the other things that I have. Yeah. And I want to do that as well. Yes, I agree. Brian Lynchard here says, uh, number two, he says, I think that a coach would, this is kind of just on what we said a little bit. I think that a coach would help greatly in this regard, but I just don't really have the money for the coaches that I have spoken with. I try to coach, mentor, motivate, encourage others as I can, and I do it pro bono. It'd be nice to find the right person to do the same for me. Right after that, or a comment to that, Tracy Frederick says, I agree with you, Brian. I think I need a coach too. Well, hey, let's just speak to that. That's a little little sidestep here. Uh, but as we have both been, and you you particularly in the business of coaching and consulting with people, of course, who would not want a coach? Who would not want to hire you as an executive coach, Tom? But money is a very real factor. And yet we can also flippantly, or I'll, I can say I can say, hey, we, we can purchase, we can afford what we make priority. But granted, if you find a great coach that's a thousand bucks, two thousand bucks, five, ten, whatever it is, you gotta have the money there. But on the pro bono aspect, again, not to just throw out a pithy statement, but you do get to a great degree what you pay for. Just like with a lawyer. Nobody wants a pro bono lawyer. You wanna when when the when the when it's dire straits, you're gonna pay because you want somebody who can come through. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I would say, we actually wrote a chapter of this in the book Born to Win. And it was how to pick a mentor and also how to be a mentee. Hmm. And mentoring and coaching is a little bit different. But I had had a lot of people say, hey, uh, your dad was my coach. I mean, I never talked to him once, but I listened to him for hours. Mm -hmm. And I've also heard other people say, and I've got a bunch of great mentors. And so they'll have five or six mentors and they'll have, you've probably heard the, the, the idea of having your own kitchen cabinet, you know, having, have an attorney who's a friend, who's kind of a mentor in the legal space and a financial person, an accountant type person. You can do the same thing. You can be uh, the right kind of mentee by how you treat your mentor. And that can fill in a lot of the gaps on coaching. Uh, and so I think there are ways to make that work. But here's the thing. Some people come into coaching and they think, oh, the coach, they're going to provide all the answers. Coaches don't do that. What coaches do is they ask you the right question and then they hold you accountable to go in and find the answer. And they'll point you in the right direction. I mean, I do that all the time and I make connections for people who I coach. And, and so if you're in a financial dilemma, uh, there's a lot of resources that don't cost uh, financial dollars and cents. They still require an investment of your time and energy. 
Well, um, I used to be back when I did a lot of coaching consulting fond of saying, you know, I charge hundreds of dollars per hour, but I can always be bought for coffee or lunch. I'm a sucker, especially if we're talking sushi, man, I'm, I'm good to go. <laughs> but you know, it's interesting on that. And we, let's, you hit on, on mentoring Tom. So I got to pull out uh, the book one minute mentoring uh, by Ken Blanchard and Claire Diaz Ortiz. We um, interviewed them and talked through this book. Great great resource. It's show 597. So encourage everybody to go check out show 597. If you haven't heard that or just find the book one minute mentoring, because you can get a dramatic amount from mentoring. But on that, also from a personal experience, I had a good friend, I have a good friend, he has a business. This was years ago, I was really excited about what he was doing, wanted to help all I could. He says, man, I want you to help uh, consult me here. Can I pay you? I said, man, of course not. You're one of my best friends. Let's just, let's just talk. And we had a great lunch and talked for two hours and came up with great ideas. And then after that, he was hoping for some follow up and I put it off and I put it off. Finally, the day came and he says, Kevin, I am going to pay you. Cause if I don't, you won't invest as much as what I really need from you. And I had to accept that. I, I understood that as much as my intentions were good, my priority tends to go to the paying customers and, and, and the business. Uh, and I, I took that to heart and took that into myself where I am looking for mentoring and I can get great counsel. But man, if I really want somebody to dig their heels and to understand the complexity and the comprehensiveness of what I'm doing, and as you said, ask the right questions and lead me down, you, 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 to get that investment, you often have to pay. And if you need to make a big sacrifice, I would say it's generally worth it. All right. Well, hey, here's, I just like this day. This is short and sweet. Lori Sellers, she says, I have plenty of information available, just not the confidence or motivation to move forward. Now, I don't want to just try to give the climax to the whole show, but it's hard for me not to say that my experience with myself, with others, is that's a lot of times where we sit. Most of us heard more, more, more information. We have more knowledge within us than we can ever take part of. Doesn't mean we don't need to get more, but we have so much in us. It is merely getting ourselves to make the commitment, take the first step. You know, with you, Tom, I mean, I know you work with a lot of high level people, but in that we all have so much information. Generally, we have the abilities, we have the skills to do something, especially if we're already in that field. And yet it is the, well, I, I don't know. Again, there's that, that chicken or the egg. What do you find that sometimes we finally have to get the motivation or we finally have to get just the understanding of what can a first step be? Is that a fair question to ask which of those you see it generally is? I think there's two things. I think it is the, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that's, you know, for the big ones, for the BHAGs, the big, hairy, audacious goals or the, the massive change that we don't want to do, whether it's a career change or a relationship change, I think we just get to the end of the rope, a financial change. We're just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. The next most likely one is some sort of inspiration of, wow, I could, I can, I can be more, I can do more. I can have more. It, it's just revelation. Maybe somebody breathed it into you. Maybe you read it and you're like, aha, I'm going to do it. I think those two things are the two primary drivers that get people to move. And that is not new knowledge or information. Uh, really, I mean, that is, uh, basically coming to identifying and addressing the problem we've known that we've had the whole time. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. So I think that's the biggest thing that gets people to, to jump over. Yeah, I agree. That limiting factor that we all are dealing with. Well, so here's a couple of different ones. So Kyle Riley, he says, definitely number one, you can comp, this goes to what you said a minute ago. Uh, you can confidently do something wrong because you don't have the skills to do it while having a great attitude and be motivated to do it. Uh, that being said, finding new ways to improve your confidence and motivation can help you want to get out to learn new skills. You said just as much earlier, Tom, but then Gail Carlock here says, I have always invested in the attitude, faith, motivation, confidence. In this season of my journey, I am focusing on information. I mean, I'm sure in your uh, experience, Tom, you have experienced that plenty of times where there's somebody who is coming to events, they're purchasing products, they're going through, you know, seminars and things, and man, they are motivated, they are pumped, they are ready to take the world by storm, but they don't have a specific muse, or maybe they do, but they realize, okay, I'm not quite the expert to go out there and they don't have the confidence. And we see that sometimes people need to learn that specific skill in order to complete their confidence. Yes. Yes. And you know, we have a, we have a, what we call the Ziegler performance formula and performance. The formula goes like this attitude times effort times skill equals performance. And the sequence there is very interesting because we start off with attitude. And if your attitude's up, you're far more likely to put in the effort or the action. Mm. And you're far more likely to invest in the skill. But we didn't put effort last. We put it in the middle. And we did that on purpose as well. In our industry, there's a whole ton of people um, that are... Man, they they buy everything. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. they buy every online program. They go to every seminar. They do everything they can, and yet they never put it into action. And so the formula is designed: Hey, let's get our attitude right. Let's take action on what we know, because we already have some skills, and then let's continue to learn skills so we can raise our game as we go. And so that, that formula in the corporate world is actually the opposite. When you get hired into an organization, the first thing they want to do is teach you all the skills of your job. Mm -hmm. And then they start measuring how much work you do. And then when you don't do enough, you get in trouble and you get the proverbial attitude adjustment, which is usually negative. And so I think it's funny how we've got both ends of the spectrum. We've got the human development, the human science of what makes somebody perform. And it starts with mindset. And in the corporate world, they may talk mindset, but what they actually do is preach skill. And the reality is, is you got to have both, but there is a right sequence to doing. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. Um, D says definitely number two for 10 years. I have worked as a professional model slash actress, a particular casting director started booking me for background and supporting roles a lot. And all of a sudden, and I wanted, I went to their office to say thank you and ask what I need to do to be considered for principal roles. She said now that she knows I'm interested, she will submit me. 
She asked for my video reel, which I sent later. I did not need to learn anything. I just needed the confidence to ask early in my career. I thought I was not getting jobs because I was not skinny enough, pretty enough, did not have quality photos. Now I see my beautiful friends in the industry who complain about not getting work. They showed me that talent slash ability is not a guarantee of success. I know my challenge is conquering the mental game. Like Tom Z said in his episode recently, which I listened to three times in a row, you have to have the grit, man. That is a great call out to our previous show, uh, show six Oh three with Jesse Cole, the author of find your yellow tux, where he talks about that in his own experience with their baseball team. He says, there's no way they could increase their, uh, fan base from 200, which was the average when he started to over 4,000 booked out every game. Now he says, there's no way they could do that by being the best baseball team ever. They're a summer college league baseball team. Uh, but what they could do is they couldn't be the best. What they could do is they could be different. Uh, so, you know, Dee's talking about what can she do different? How, and in her case, it was just asking, just stepping up to ask and, uh, where other people did not do that. And she's seeing that she's getting the opportunities that other people don't get. I mean, that's simplistic, but how often does that not happen? We want to all think that, gosh, isn't everybody just going to see my merit and accelerate me, promote me. And yet so often that doesn't happen and it goes to, well, we're, we're kind of on the squeaky wheel, aren't we? Yeah, we are. It's good. Hey D, thank you for listening to that three times in a row. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we had a gold star podcast listener, I think you know, <laughs> that definitely qualifies. Yeah. You know, and one of the things that I talked about grit, uh, grit maximized is when you focus it on your natural gifts and talents, what God's given you, what you're, what you're good at, the things that just come easy to you. Um, but one of the things that grit is also maximized when you focus it on is your mindset. And most people are bent negative. I mean, I think it's like 50 some odd percent actually have just a natural uh, negative view towards the world. And that's, that's just, and that's not good or bad. That's just the way we're made. And so for some people, the majority actually, uh, it's not natural to just have a positive outlook to, so that's a habit you've got to create. So this is actually one of the cases where applying grit outside of your natural gifts or talents is a good thing anytime you apply grit to having the right mindset. And just like our our uh, podcast that we refer to, we should refer to it again because we do almost every time working outside of our comfort zone, doing something we're uncomfortable with every day might be the greatest mindset habit of all because it tells us over and over again, we can do more. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead and mention the episode, Kevin. I just know you're. No, I, I, I'm, I'm not pulling it up. Don't put me on the spot like that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll find it. We'll find it. I'm I'm sorry, Kevin. I I should have set you up better than that. No, no. Usually that's what, come on. That's what I, that's why I get paid the big bucks right here to come up with that stuff. I, I didn't, I didn't pull it in yet. My cognitive, uh, I'm off. All right, here, here's, here's, we'll go on. We'll go on. I'll come up with it. Joe Lalonde says, I definitely know enough to get things rolling, but I lack the confidence to really take action. It's frustrating and I'm not sure why I doubt that I can do it. 
Tom, I'd say it's because Joe is human. Um, like all of us, I mean, I don't know how many times we have more and more of our guests here on the show talking about that limiting factor and citing it in their own life, dealing with it, coping with it, overcoming it. And we just all do. I mean, that's the consummate verse. Uh, I, I don't do what I want to do and I do what I don't want to do. And that is our humanity. It's figuring out what is the secret sauce? What is the catalyst? What is the need to get over that limiting factor? Let me insert one thing, Tom, and then you, and you go that when that term overcoming is one that I have a little bit of a soapbox of because often, or at least in my own mind, but I've, I've seen that in other people, the thought of overcoming a limiting factor, overcoming something is often, um, paired with obliterating it, just completely getting rid of it. I don't see that happen often. I see people overcome things where they still have it kind of like being, a, being, uh, being scared, having fear and doing it anyways. It's figuring out how do I get myself to do what's needed to take action, to take the right steps, even though that limiting factor still exists. I still am scared. I still am uh, not, not fully confident. I still am yada, 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 fill it in, but I'm going to do it anyways. What is the thing that helps me come over? Is it increasing my motivation? Is it getting accountability? Is it establishing a deadline? Is it, I, I don't know. It, it, we got to figure out that thing, but uh, don't let the term overcoming thinking you have to get rid of that. That's like that. Uh, we all like the, the brand, the, the shirt that says, you know, no fear. I'll never wear that shirt folks. Um, maybe disappointed some folks. I'll never wear, wear that because I will never, I don't believe, be without fear. That doesn't limit my God. That just points to my own humanity. Um, but I will take things that I have fear, that I have a lack of confidence in, and figure out how to get myself to do them anyway. Love it. Um, you know, one of my favorite stories is Fred Smith, dad's mentor, at his memorial service, Fred said this, he learned the greatest lesson of his life in the last year of his life when he was an invalid, completely bedridden. His daughter, Brenda, literally had to turn him over and get everything that he needed during this time. And Fred said he would wake up every morning too tired, too much pain to even breathe. But he knew he had to do something because God laid it on his heart. And yeah. what he had to do is he had to dictate to Brenda what God had laid on his heart so she could write it out. And he would negotiate with God. He'd say, look at me. I'm, I'm 90 something years old. I'm dying. I don't have any energy. I'm on kidney dialysis. I can't do that. And of course he said, when you negotiate with God, you always lose. And he would end up dictating to Brenda and that writing would touch the lives of literally thousands of people. And this is a lesson he said he learned. He said, when God lays something on your heart, your only responsibility is to just start. And here's why. God doesn't give you the strength to overcome. He gives you the strength while you're overcoming. That's excellent. Key lesson here. Hey, it's okay to start before you feel comfortable. It's okay to start before you're completely ready. And it's double okay if what you're doing is so big it's God size, because that means that you can count on his strength, his answers while you're in the middle of it. Hmm. And he's not going to provide it until you start the journey. Amen. 
I like that. That's a term. Well, I need to come back. Everybody rewind that because I'm going to have to because I didn't write that down. Say it again, Tom. Say that on overcoming. He doesn't give you the strength to overcome, but while you're overcoming? Yeah. Okay. God doesn't give you the strength to overcome. He gives you the strength while you're overcoming. Fred Smith That's, said that. That's the first time I heard it. I've now seen it in Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest yeah. a version of that. How powerful is that? When we have dreams that are bigger than us, what we call God-sized dreams, he wants us, he wants us to start on it because he's going to be there as we go through the journey. And we see this all the time. If we have everything we need to get something done, guess who takes the credit? Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it just speaks to me of faith, of having the faith to do it. Yeah. And, uh, to so, Joe, you're faith. in the majority. Yeah. Uh, go ahead and, and step out. Do it. Just oh, start. Okay. And while you're talking, I still can't come up with that show. D, you got to tell me which show number that was. I don't think I put grit in the title and I'm lost now. Oh, so. I wasn't talking about uh, the grit show. I was talking about the show where uh, the Sid rep, Sid, um, I can't ever say Sid show. Yeah, yeah that, folks, and, and that I, I don't have the sh- I, I I don't know. It's been a while ago there, but man, we talk about that. I need to. I wish I could pin a, sh- a certain shows up there, but that's Joshua Spodek. Who, man, I probably emailed him in the past thirty days, just saying you got. I just got. You got to know your your ears must be tingling because we talk about you so often. So Joshua Spodek, who's an astrophysicist, best-selling author, adjunct professor at NYU. Fellow nerd. Fellow nerd. Yeah. But if you type it in Joshua S-P-O-D-E-K and uh, Sidcha, S-I-D-C-H-A, self-imposed daily challenging healthy activity, you'll find his blog. uh, You'll find a series of them actually. And we need to have him back on and talk about it. That That has been so powerful. Um, okay, uh, Matt Korich, I think is how you say the last name. He says, I need one number one and number two. For number one, he says, I work in technology sales and the technology changes rapidly. I need to stay on top of my industry, my product, my competitors. I also need to continue to learn new sales techniques, which allow me to, li- to deliver more value to my customers. But number two, at the age of 51, he'll be 52 tomorrow, I need to be more confident, execute a positive mental attitude and motivate myself to constantly improve in all areas of business. I have a number to hit and I get paid for performance. If I don't deliver, the company will find someone else who can. You have to continue to sharpen the saw to stay on top. And right after that, commenting to that, Nate Scott says, I'm a fan of your answers. You're a rock star, Matt. I learned from one of the Apple concepts that it's not always about sales. Having the skills to teach people the product will make them want to buy from you because they know what they are getting or know who to go to with the questions. Great post. And we did have a handful of people that just, they they saw them really in joint alignment. And, And I think in a lot of ways, Tom, they are. I think it's just in the personal development world, we tend to see, I tend to feel like there are more people who are maybe kind of stuck in that analysis paralysis feeling like I just need more information. Sometimes it can be a crutch to just what you talked about prior to this question, having the faith that you will get what you need. You'll gain what you need that the overcoming, you'll get the strength while you are going after that overcoming. And most of us need to just figure out a step and take that first step, take action. Yep. And you know, one of the techniques that I believe in, I was coaching uh, one of the guys I work with, and he paralysis of analysis. He had all these ideas, and here's the cool thing is uh, 
we started talking about head trash and there's two types of head trash. There's positive head trash and there's negative head trash, but because they're stuck in your head and they're rubbing up against each other, it just causes friction. You don't go anywhere. And I said, Hey, here's a great way to get it out. And it's a mind map. And so for those of you who've ever done a mind map, what you do is whatever your objective is, whatever your goal is, the big thing, let's just say uh, you want to hold a two-day event. We'll call it the Zig Ziglar experience. So, <laughs> by the way, we're having one of those. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, okay, can I just stop right there and spill it. Ziglar okay. experience. Tell us about it. Yeah, so there's so many people uh, that want to get engaged with Ziglar. They want to know about goal setting. They want to know about building relationships, how to create the right self-image, the right attitude, the right motivation. We actually even go into uh, personalities and how to read other personalities and adapt your communication style. to the. Anyway, we do a two-day two event. We're going to have it here uh, in Dallas, uh, right here at Ziegler headquarters. And we want you to come. The pod, there's a special for the podcast people. I have to tell you that in a minute. So only podcast listeners will get the special. Well, maybe I should tell podcast people. If you, register, if you register for this, and we'll have more information at the end of the show, uh, I will do – all you got to do is register. And then you send me an email. Now, here's my email, tom at ziggler.com, okay? This is the only way you get the special – when you send me an email and says, Hey Tom, I'm coming. I'm, I'm a podcaster. I'm coming. Uh, I'll do a coaching session with you on the phone before you come. And we can talk about this or any subject you want, uh, goal setting, something you want to achieve a business issue, whatever it is in your life, anything that you want. But the, the point I'm saying here, Kevin, and with the mind map is that whenever we envision, Hey, we want to do this event in the future. There's like a hundred items you got to check off. Right. You got to have the date. Who's going to teach it? How are we going to market it? Uh, where are we going to hold it? Are we going to have food? And the answer is all those is yes. You, you know, we're going to do all that. So I do a mind map. And so in the middle of the circle, I'll put Zig Ziglar experience. That's the name of the program. And then I'll draw a leg off the circle and that'll be the date. And then I'll draw another leg off the circle. Who's going to teach it? And then another leg off the circle. What's the content going to be? And another leg off the circle. How are we going to market it? And I get all this on the paper, and then I can prioritize them. What do I have to do first, second, third? And I can just start. And so I can't even remember the question. But the point is, is when we live in our head and we have this head trash, this good stuff we want to do, and then all these doubts and other things that are crowding away, get it on a sheet of paper, prioritize it, and take action. That's what I've learned. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's That's such a... Uh, sticking point for me right there is I can get motivated. I've got the skills, but uh, where do I start? And what is the, again, the priority we started off with that. And so Kevin, I can't make them wait uh, too long. So if you want more about the Ziegler experience, Tell me. just go to Ziegler.com forward slash Z E Ziegler.com forward slash Z E. And that'll tell you. Okay. Well, if but I yeah, get, take, take advantage of that. Special. If I get a personal coaching session with you, I'm coming. <laughs> All right. Here, so here's an interesting one. Uh, Nate says, I am, he said, he says, number one, I am confident that I can do anything. The things I feel most, uh, the things I need, feel I need most is the knowledge, skills, and abilities. The more of these I get, the more powerful I am 
at my work. Okay. So this brings up to me. So Tom, you know, this, I don't know if everybody else does. I was a professional cyclist for about half my life. And I realized I was, uh, one, I was within a year of the same, uh, age as Lance Armstrong. All right. So we all know the hubbub about him and drugs and whatever still was an incredible athlete. And what I saw in him, he wanted to come to the line knowing that he was absolutely the best trained person there. That guy was a maniacal trainer. So yeah, he also uh, included some performance enhancing drugs in that, but the guy was, I wish he had never done those because I think he would have been a great athlete and would have been significantly legendary without the drugs because he would have been amazing. The guy trained, he was so devoted to it, but what that boiled down to, to me was motivation for him to be motivated. He, that's what he needed. That was his secret sauce. He didn't want it to come to the line knowing that he had trained better and more than anyone else. And so he was pursuing that skill, but it was still a motivation. Did he need to train? And sometimes his coaches, I know got to him, got onto him about overtraining. And so it, maybe it didn't, maybe he trained so much. It actually hurt his physical ability, but if it helped him mentally, Great. So be it. So for those of you, Tom, you always joke about being a, uh, a nerd to a degree, but I think some of the, sometimes that's what you do. That's what motivates you. Having the best knowledge or the most knowledge whatever is not what motivates me. I usually have some result over here, something else I'm going for that is my primary motive. And in that sense, we don't care what the motive is. Whatever, as long as it gets you to toe the line, come up and do your best. And if, if folks, if you're saying, gosh, yeah, being completely informed, knowing my stuff, like the back of my hand is what motivates me at, then do it again. We weren't here to prove number one or number two. We're ultimately here to say, what is it that you feel like you need? Let's help you get that so that you can perform at your best. I think our title here is inspiring your true performance, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's a rock solid point that everybody should realize. Um, when you are in a competitive situation. And let's face it, if we're a business owner, we're in a competitive situation. If we're in sales, we're in a competitive situation. If we're raising kids, we are in a competitive situation. We've got to look around at the people we're with, uh, our teammates and those we're competing with, and we've got to have the mindset, you know what? Nobody has prepared better than me. And when you believe that, that unleashes and unlocks the ability for you to use the potential and the learning and the training that you've already gone through. As soon as you look around and go, "Uh Oh, I'm not ready for this. You've lost great golfer, Tom Watson, Tom Watson, one of the greatest golf champions of all times. When the weather would get nasty, he would literally jump up and down and get excited. Why? because he knew the weather had eliminated 85% of his competition. Mm -hmm. He practiced in the rain and he geared down in his mental approach in the rain, in the wind, in the cold to say, you know what? I was made to win on these days. Nobody loves the bad weather like I do. And that's what he did. I think he won five British opens. Wow. And it's known for their bad weather. I was going to say good place for bad weather. Yeah. Yeah. That's excellent. 
Uh, well, Wes here says, Wes Pryor, he says, it has been my experience in over 12 years of sales that you need to feed the attitude, faith, motivation above all else. The skills can be learned and refined later. You must have the drive to overcome fear, make those calls and handle the storms that come and go. Although I do enjoy learning. I finished my MBA in 2016, uh, enjoyed the learning process, but most importantly, I must regularly listen to positive music and podcasts to renew my spirit each day. When I don't, it shows in my attitude and my sales numbers. I mean, Tom, I mean, sales, that's, that's, you know, that's where Ziegler started. And I, I don't want to be flippant here, but I mean, there, there's a finite amount that you can know to sales. I mean, I don't think it's a never, it's not a, it's not a, a, a finite tr- uh, tool. Is it? I, I don't see it that way. There's some core things. I mean, that's why we've got, uh, you know, the books that Ziegler has on closing the sale and so many things. It's not a finite amount. We have people, I mean, it comes back to Zig's consummate story of the day that changed his life. Uh, I don't, where's, where's the best place for people to hear that? I just was listening to that in strategies for success. Um, is strategies that the best one? Is a great place. I believe it's also at how to stay motivated. How to stay yeah. motivated. Okay. Well, he tells a story of going to the meeting and, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. You remember it? PC uh, Merrill. There you go. PC Merrill who says you're such, I've never seen a bigger waste. Uh, you've got the skills to be one of the greats. And he went from what, 4,000 or so in his sales uh, team to second overall in the country, I think that year. And he yep. said that he said the salesman had already been built. I knew how to sell. Um, I just, uh, I can't remember how, how he said the exact statement, but he said, I didn't believe in myself. Yeah. Okay. He changed two things. He went on a lifelong mission to learn what it meant to believe in himself. Mm. And number two is he went to work on a regular schedule. He made a commitment to be knocking on the first door every day at 9 a.m. And that was direct sales. Yeah. So just, just an amazing story. But he didn't learn any new closes, any new questions, any new techniques. It's just the way he asked them and the way he thought about himself changed the outcome every time. Ah, beautiful. Thank you for that, Wes. One more here uh, that I'm going to read. We've got lots, but we can't get through them all. Heather uh, Haberhern, looks like her name is. She says, number two for sure. For the last six months, I've been reading personal development books daily, but feel like I have knowledge paralysis keeping me from moving forward. I need something more to push me to the next step. As Napoleon Hill said, knowledge is only potential power. It becomes power only when and if it is organized into definite plans of action and directed to a definite end motivation and plans of action are definitely what I need to push me to the next step. Tom, I just got to believe that there's a high percentage of our listeners and at any given day, it's me as well who are right there. We know what we need to do. I am often in front of my computer with what I know I need to do. I don't even, I don't even dread it. It's good stuff. And yet it's just hard work. And I may not know for sure, be confident in what the next best step is. And I can sit there in that paralysis and busy myself with all the busy stuff that we can have to take us away from giving focus and getting done what we need to get done. We've all got to find what is that catalyst that we need that'll help us there. And, uh, Tom, I mean, you deal with this every single day, whether it's somebody sitting in front of you face to face, somebody on the phone, or whether you're talking to a hundred thousand people, uh, at a time. And, uh, this is where we are. And those who find that are the few that excel don't have to be superhuman, right? 
Right. And one of the things that's some gold in that Napoleon Hill quote is this. You have a big thing that you want to achieve and it's overwhelming. We already talked about the mind map as a concept. The other thing that I love to do is instead of looking at the big thing we've got to do, maybe it's going to take a year or two years for you to accomplish it. What you do is you segment it out and you break it down into quarterly. What can I do this quarter? And then you break the quarter down into what can I do this week? And then you break the week down into what can I do today? And so when you talk about organized, definite plans of action, gosh, we may not be able to get our minds around, you know, building the Great Wall of China. But we can all get our minds around, hey, I'm going to need some sand and some clay and some water, <laughs> you know, and some straw. And so what we've got to do is we got to take that first step. And what I've found is that when you take the first step, even if you don't know the complete answer to the second step, it usually reveals itself in the process of doing the first step. There you go. Words of wisdom from the CEO of Ziegler, Tom Ziegler. Brother, thank you. I am I'm motivated. I'm just sitting here about things I, I want to start doing. I want to take the next step on right now. So uh, let's go. We'll, we'll end here. You ready? <laughs> Awesome. Done. Well, that was just significant, friends. Uh, it hits really to the heart of our personal and business progress. Did you get value from this specific show? And would you do so us? It's not, it doesn't make sense. Hold on. Well, there you go, friends. That was just a significant show. I think it really hits to the heart of our personal and big, big, big oh, man alive. Well, there you go, friends. That was a significant show. I think it really hits to the heart of our personal and business progress. If you got value from this specific show, would you let us know and leave a review in iTunes or Stitcher and mention it specifically? Again, it really helps people understand what they're going to get here in this show. Well, coming up next in show 605, we're back with the yellow tux man himself, Jesse Cole, who keeps his baseball team and stadium sold out over a year out and is really out to change the face of baseball. Our main interview with him was in show 603 on how to stand out and be different and how placing relationships first are such massive opportunities for success. In this show, we follow the seven spokes of the Ziegler Wheel of Life. It's the habit show. We find out his habits for success. Jesse runs every day but struggles with his nutrition, which I think I would too if my life was in a baseball stadium surrounded by hot dogs and nachos. But he writes 10 ideas per day to further grow the muscle in his brain. I think if you listen to show 603, you'll realize the guy is flat out just an idea factory. You'll also hear he and his wife weathered going from zero debt, living in their dream house, to $1.8 million in debt. But how they've now come out on top. It's really a great conversation, folks, and a lot of fun. Hope you will join us. Until then, thank you for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.